Hello and welcome to Culture in Between, a podcast all about exploring the unique experiences of people who grew up in a culture outside of their parents' culture. We are your hosts, Alyssa and Brianna, and today we have the honor of interviewing Juan, whose parents are from Colombia. Thank you so much for joining us, Juan. Thank you for having me. Brianna, can you tell me a little bit about how you and Juan know each other? Yeah, so Juan and I met uh, during our undergraduate years at a university called Stetson University in Central Florida. Um, Both of us were studying music, specifically voice, and um, yeah, we're so excited to kind of uh, catch back up today and talk about a, a bit of a different topic that I don't think we've discussed before. With that, we'd like to ask Juan if he can just briefly introduce himself. Yeah. So, hi, everyone. Nice to be here. So, yeah, my name is Juan. I studied with Brianna, as as she mentioned, at Stetson University. Um, we sang together. We did operas together. I watched her be a star and, and oh shine for the masses, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> I, did, I paid him to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I so I uh, was born in, in Bogota, Colombia, and uh, came to the U.S. when I was very young, like, around like two years old or something. So I was like really raised in the U.S. um, in Florida. And I have several musicians in my family. So I just kind of always wanted to do that. I always knew I wanted to do that. So I've been studying music. I got my bachelor's and my master's in it. And I'm still performing to this day, but also doing some other work in between, getting some other skills. But um, yeah. So... You were born in Bogota. Have you been back or did you go back when you were growing up? Did you take trips back there? Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So I actually didn't go back until I was a, I believe a senior in high school or junior or senior, something like that. So it had been a while since I had actually gone back and I've only gone back once since that. So it's been a total of two times. Definitely on my list um, of places to just keep going back. And and there's always something new that you learn about your culture and about yourself um, when you're mm-hmm. back in the country where you were born. So I think yeah, I 100% want to do more trips, but not as much as I've wanted to. Yeah, we, I think we can say the same about us going to Jamaica. We I've only gone a handful of times and sometimes when I was a baby, I don't even remember. So when you go back to Bogota, like, are you there as a tourist or are you there kind of like when we go back to Jamaica, it's like we're in the we're involved, you know, we're with the people. That's kind of, yeah. Is that kind of yeah. how it is for you? Yeah. Yeah, definitely not tourists. It's definitely yeah. with my my family, my immediate family, mm-hmm. visiting old family friends. And it's something really interesting about growing up as an immigrant is that you see people around you like, oh, my parents' neighborhood is right down this corner and you, don't, you can't really relate. But then you're back over there and it's like, it's really like right down that corner, but like all the way over there. <laughs> And then they're running, like, there was this one time my dad was running into his, like, childhood friend who we hadn't seen for, like, 30 years who still lived on that block. So it's, like, it's really interesting going back and, and having that experience that you just don't have, you know, as an immigrant in a yeah. newer country for your parents. Yeah, I always feel like an appreciation. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, this is where we grew up. And you're like, wow, it's really cool. Kind of experience that, the things mm-hmm. they did and, and all that. So are most of your family still there? Um, we're kind of spread out. I have a few relatives in Florida. Like the vast majority of them are in Florida right now. 
I think there is a few like cousins and like my all my both of my grandparents are still in Florida. My my surviving grandparents. Um, so or sorry, did I say Florida? I meant Colombia. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling. I was like, I think yeah, you no, meant no, to no, say no, Colombia. No. Yeah, no, they're they're both uh, still in Colombia as as well as some extended family. But um, yeah, pretty spread out though. I would say. Okay, that's yeah. It's kind of similar again for us. Is pretty much all of our family lives in Florida right yeah. now. But when our grandparents were alive on my mom's side, they lived in Jamaica and that's yeah. who we would go visit when we went down there. So, mm-hmm. And when you went there to Columbia, like one thing for us was like, we stood out like a sore thumb. Like, I, I don't know. They knew immediately like, oh, Americans, mm. I don't know. Did that happen to you? Or um, I assume you speak Spanish. So yes. I, the language was, is not a barrier, right? Like, right. I, I, well, I'm you so, know, there's uh, a little bit of like, stage fright i'll say because like you'll go and like you'll go to like a restaurant or a coffee shop and you're like my grammar is not the best and i'm i don't want to make a fool out of myself you know yeah um so i'll I'll, like we were i was in like an airport and and i was like you know it was a spanish-speaking store and i spoke english because i was so embarrassed of saying the wrong thing oh my gosh yeah but to that point i will say there's a balance. There's, you know, obviously very, we're very Americanized where we grew up in this other culture, but you come back and there's always the sense of otherness that you feel mm-hmm. in America as an immigrant. And you come back and part of that is gone as well mm. in the sense of just existing, <laughs> which I, I found really interesting. I was like, cause you know, I was born there. So I'm, you know, a citizen. And I was doing some like weird paperwork stuff over there having to do with my citizenship. And I was just in this random line in this random government building with all these people. And I was like, this is the most comfortable I've been in the setting, Mm. just existing as a person, just being here and not worrying about how others perceive me. And I looked around and it's because like, you know, a lot of people just like looked like me and and acted like me and were speaking Spanish. So it was it was really interesting to have that experience and to have that otherness kind of taken away in some ways too. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. That's that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I'd like to say I've felt that before, but I mean there is a certain feeling of like a sense of home when we have been to Jamaica, at least that I feel mm-hmm. of like, oh, this is where my parents are from, this is where all my, my grandparents, all my roots are. But on the flip side of that, just going and seeing like my cousin there and some mm. other family and family friends, they do have a tendency to still make you feel very American mm-hmm. though. And, you know, and kind of point out all the ways that you're very much not Jamaican. So it, at the same time, whenever I go there, that's like the most American I ever feel. Cause when I'm in America, I'm like, Oh no, I'm Jamaican. And then when I'm yeah. there, everyone's pointing out how different we mm-hmm. are. So do you, did you have any sense of that when you visit Bogota again? <laughs> Yes, and actually, we were we were at this like show. I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it, but it was like a show, like like a like one of those like amusement parks where they do like horse shows and that kind of thing. And the the guy was asking everyone, "Oh, where's everyone from?" And my cousin takes the microphone. And says, He's from America. Like <laughs> so everyone looked at me, and like I immediately was like, "Oh, I really am not from." Here. Like, so they they make sure to let me know in some yeah. ways. So. Oh, yes. So yes, I do feel that. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. In Jamaica, people kind of just like 
would stare at us sometimes. Mm. And mm. I mean, there's nothing worse than just having people stare at you like you're like some weird animal or something. And our uncle would tell us like, oh, yeah, they can tell you're American, like just from like the shade of your skin and all kinds of things. It was oh, crazy. Wow. Yeah. And do you yeah. think like part of it like has to do with like clothing? Because that's something yeah, I've that noticed too. in yeah. other countries. So uh, going back to like your upbringing now in in Boca in Florida, like you said, you felt so at ease when you were in Colombia because you were around people who looked like you and were speaking Spanish. How was it growing up in Boca? Because Boca is still in South Florida, but it's not Miami. <laughs> so what? <laughs> um, I mean, was there a big Hispanic community around you? Like when you were in school, did you have other kids who who looked like you or had a similar mm-hmm. background? What was that like? Mm-hmm. So I, um, I think it, it, it's really interesting because I think South Florida has a huge concentration of, of Latin American um, immigrants um, and or immigrants who come from Latin America and you know grow up in, in the states and, and all that kind of stuff. There's a there's a fair amount, but my parents were the kind of parents that they would move to like a really bad place to to get me into a really good school. If you know what I mean, okay. like you know to stay okay. in that district. So I was around a lot of like American born, like white people, basically, like people from this country. So though I had like a fair amount of La- of Latinos around me, Latines around me, I-, I really felt like my culture was something I had to kind of push down in mm-hmm. some ways. I couldn't be too much of it. I had to dilute assimilate. it in some ways. Yeah, assimilate. Yes. There we go. That's the word mm-hmm. I was looking for. And I really felt that especially in Palm Beach County and in, in, in Boca Raton, West Palm Beach, and those areas. That's because mm. I figured, like you said, Boca is still part of South Florida. So I just, and us growing up in Miami, I think we almost got spoiled. Mm-hmm. It's because like almost more people speak Spanish than English, mm-hmm. like especially mm-hmm. where, where we were. So it's like, I just figured South Florida, everywhere in South Florida is just kind of like that. So, mm-hmm. but this was really interesting to hear that. Actually. Yeah. 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 And it's like, I think part of it, uh, Oh my gosh, I just like completely lost the thought I had going. You're fine. You're no totally worries. fine. It happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> if it comes back to you. Yeah. yeah. I'll Go just to... snap just so you can. There you go. <laughs> Wait, there you go. It's back. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. No worries. No worries. No, but uh, I, yeah, I was just going to, to add on to that. I've been to your house before. I don't know if you moved or whatever, but I've been to your <laughs> I've been to your house before in Boca. And that's one of the only times I think I've really been to Boca. It's like mm-hmm. one of those places that you kind of, we kind of passed through growing mm-hmm. up in in Miami, but yeah. you don't really stop. And I remember like kind of looking around or like every time I have been going through Boca, I've kind of noticed that it's like okay, it's yeah, it's it's like interesting. It's like not it still has that South Florida flavor, but it is definitely getting more into that like West Palm Beach. Also, like, like in the performing arts, like Brianna, like I'm sure you you feel this too. That like you you go into the performing arts. I I went to a performing arts high school, and there are people who very rich people who pass up on their private schools to get into that school, and so there you really feel like really like that rich kind of like norm of oh i can i have this allowance of five hundred dollars a week or that kind of thing like (laughs) where you really feel like that oh why am i not like that you know why am i not like Mm. these people or Mm -hmm. you really feel this need to assimilate into that a lot of my friend groups at the time were white people Mm -hmm. so really interesting to think about because like yeah you have miami and you have this big collection of of 
Caribbean, Latin American people. Mm-hmm. And then you go a little bit, like even still in the <laughs> yeah, South Florida. A little bit. And yeah, you have this. Crazy. Mm-hmm, big yeah. Al- speaking of allowance, that just made me think, I think I asked my mom for an allowance. I, I did go to a school that was like, it was predominantly white. I think when I was in elementary school, mm-hmm. people got allowances there. And I asked my mom for allowance and she looked at me and was like, do you work? <laughs> she was like, do you earn money in this house? Allowance? She looked at me like I was crazy. And so I was like, okay, that's, yeah. Like, I don't I'm know. allowing you to stay under <laughs> yeah, this <basically>. roof. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know if you've had similar experiences, but that was my mom's experience. And I was like, well, Stephen gets an allowance. How come I? Yeah. yeah. She's Not like, yeah, well, happening. No. <laughs> so how did your parents choose to move to Boca? Because like we said, I mean, Miami is not far, just like mm-hmm. around 45 minutes away. Why Boca? Why do you think they chose that area? Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of back to what I was saying before. You know, it's all about the schools. And I think that's really how they planned a lot of their moves um, was around my education and making sure I I was getting the best. Like. One time I remember this middle school that I was going to enroll in that was that I was zoned for. The principal was mentioning something about bullying, saying like, mm-hmm. oh, it's your responsibility to fix the relationships with your fellow student body. Like, we don't have anything to do with that. And my mom was like, huh? Like, what? <laughs> what? Like, that's not that's not how you handle that or address that to parents in any way. And so I remember we like went to another another school and like actually moved so that I could be like, actually it was a private school. I went to a private Catholic school for a year for that reason because the zoning doesn't matter for the private schools in the way it does for the public ones. So yeah. And they really planned a lot of the moving that because we moved a lot as when I was a kid. And so that was really all planned with that education and making Mm -hmm. sure you yeah, you had the right education and were in the mm-hmm. right environment. It seemed to be a high priority. Mm-hmm. And do you have any siblings, or is it just no only yeah. child? Okay. Gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha. Yeah, I was about to say. I think that also kind of plays into all of this. Is that mm-hmm. you? You are an only child, so I mean, I think your parents felt compelled to do that for you. And also, just from my own experience having a sister, it is a bit easier to be like a, a child of immigrants when you have someone else you can relate to mm-hmm. about that and relate to your exact situation as well. Like, you know, went to the same schools as you and maybe has met the same types of people. So yeah, it must have been different just being you. That's awesome though that they prioritize that. I think that's great that they tried. Yeah, yeah. that is really yeah. great. But like more to that point, it's really interesting because it's like I think about it now and I'm like, I think that's why it was so easy for me to lose my culture as a kid because that's something I was really like when I was growing up and I was really like when I finally moved out on my own and and kind of was studying I was really adamant about finding it again and finding the music and and that connection to people who had similar experiences and as an only child it's so easy to lose that and 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 be swayed by people around you I actually didn't even make that connection until you just mentioned it (laughs) Yeah, no, that's understandable. I mean, Alyssa and I kind of always say, not to make, not to like make you feel bad, but Alyssa and I are always <laughs> oh. like, well, we're always like, oh, what would we do without each other? Mm-hmm. Like, because, you know, just we have crazy Jamaican parents <laughs> and like just a crazy, just- crazy Jamaican upbringing. So it's mm-hmm. just like, I can't imagine not having her to talk to about certain things. It normalizes some things, I guess, because it wasn't until I moved like out of, I went to college and lived with 
people outside of my house. And I was like, oh, like I did things that were kind of different or I pronounced things a certain mm-hmm. way. And I was like, oh, okay. Like you don't realize it's different or, or whatever mm-hmm. until you kind of aren't in your bubble. And so, yeah, that was kind of interesting. So that, that's kind of nice to be able to like bounce ideas ideas off yeah i think that's just how jamaicans are yeah yeah certain (laughs) phrases and stuff we're like oh okay that's not what american people say (laughs) okay cool just us just the two of us all right so you kind of felt like you had to kind of tape down your culture growing up but were there certain things that your parents really made sure to pass on to you from Mm. their culture while you were growing up yeah definitely the language i mean I I can probably think of maybe one or two conversations in my entire lifetime I had with my father in English. You know, oh, really? like oh. we've like really like I came home and it was just Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really I appreciate my parents so much for that because it's like now I get to pass this tongue on, and it's so important in terms of connecting with my culture again, and, and that that need that I found later on to connect mm-hmm. with it. You know, it's it's been it's been something I was really grateful that they yeah. ingrained in me. Yeah, and I feel like I mean, because I've seen both sides where some parents intentionally don't actually teach their mm-hmm. kids the language because they want them to assimilate even more. But I feel like it's almost a disservice, and it's harder because if you do want to go to back to Colombia, like well, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to speak the language, you know, and there's that right. disconnect. So I think that's great that they yeah taught that to you and Spanish is something I've always wanted to learn Mm -hmm. one of these days I will do it but that's amazing though because I I do think you know knowing the language is so important to connecting with the culture and you know like you think about like a grandparent who who, Mm -hmm. like especially my grandparents who are still in Colombia and haven't learned any English it's like like I couldn't imagine I'm sure other immigrant kids feel this way too that they can't communicate with some of their family members the way they want to because they just don't know the tongue um, and I'm I'm glad I have that blessing. <laughs> yeah, another girl we interviewed kind of mentioned the same thing that like she she wouldn't be able to talk to her grandma, and I just never thought of it from that perspective because mm-hmm. even though our parents have accents, it's it's not same language. So yeah, I was like, wow, yeah, the older generation you would not be able to, and it's just yeah, it just makes it that you can just connect with them a lot quicker. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I just I mean this is kind of different, but just having a thought about how Alyssa was saying that she wishes we, we she knew Spanish. Yeah, I feel the same way just from growing up in Miami and Spanish is such an important language there. Mm-hmm. I've always felt like that left a little bit of a disconnect for me from my own hometown mm. is because I didn't know Spanish. I always felt like I don't fully belong in the place where I actually grew up because I just like there's like a whole population that doesn't speak English that well that I can't even connect to in, yeah. in where I grew up. So. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of kind of a different way of looking at it. but And I feel like um, when you can speak somebody's language, there's this, uh, I've mentioned this in another <laughs> interview, but there's this YouTuber guy we watch who speaks, white guy who speaks Chinese. And, yes, um, I've yes, seen Jauma, this guy. Jauma, okay. It's wild. He, he's crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. he, well, he speaks a ton of languages now, but he's mainly known for speaking Chinese. But yeah, and then you just see their face. Like mm-hmm. when, when, you know, he acts like he doesn't know the language and it, immediately like you see they're like, oh, and they like, yeah, like that. Like, oh, yeah, we have, like, respect for you. I don't know. It's just, I can't describe it, but you can see in their eyes how it's, they just, it's like. It's respect, but it's also, like, oh, I'm, like, you, you see, like, the, the personality come through more, yeah. you know? It's, like, part of that guard where it's, like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm speaking this language I'm unfamiliar with. I'm, I'm talking to this person who's, it's finding common ground in, in some mm-hmm. ways. It's really, I, whenever I see those videos, I'm always, like, I just see how they light up. And I'm, like, oh, that's, yeah, that's it's so awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So, going back to going to school and everything 
I know that you t- tried to kind of, again, tape down the Colombianness of you, but did you, did you experience any kind of othering from other students or did people ever bring things up that were hurtful or just made you feel out of place? Yeah. I mean, especially with Colombia, there's a lot of, there's a lot of material for people to use, yeah. you know, especially with Pablo Escobar and and the kind of like drug trafficking that went on in the 70s and 80s. And that was always like a joke. There were always like jokes and puns and twists on my name and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, I like took in, in, in good spirits and I was never really like hurt by them. But it was definitely like, this is like I was named after my grandfather. And it's mm-hmm. like he was a very respected man. In, in Bogota and he was he had a very he lived a very important life he was very you know it's just like it carries that weight in my head for me now right. and so thinking about how it was just kind of like a joke to some people like thinking about it now I'm like hmm you don't you don't understand where this name mm-hmm. came from there is also like a ta- like I think I would also play into stereotypes as a way to like appease people too mm-hmm. growing up like I would, I would like make the jokes myself, or I would like just to kind of like feel that kind of like connection, or I don't know, friendship I with people. It. So it's almost it like weird. an assimilating bite. Okay, you're like, hey, I know they think this about me, so I'm just gonna play this kind mm-hmm. of role to just kind of like exactly roll, like ride with it, even though it's a little bit annoying because it's it's a way of them to just point out that you're different, I guess, and that's mm-hmm. kind of annoying. And sometimes you just want to be like, hey, I'm just here, like yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if you remember this one, but I'm going to provide some backstory for our listeners. So anytime you study voice at a university, at least at the undergraduate level, you are usually uh, required, I'll say required, not forced, required (laughs) to be in choir. Mm -hmm. And so Juan and I were in choir together and our choir went on choir tours Mm -hmm. every year, a choir tour every year. And so we were on this choir tour And we were particularly visiting places in the South, and we had a stop in Kentucky, (laughs) and we were staying with some people that the school and the yeah (laughs) some people that the school and the venue where we performed Mm -hmm. had arranged for us. I remember after we were you know after that night we stayed in Kentucky. Juan told us about how the People at his homestay, or at least one person at his homestay, felt compelled to bring up drugs and drug trafficking when he found out that Juan was Colombian. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us how did that make you feel? It seemed like when you told us, it was kind of in a joking way, Mm -hmm. but how did that make you feel and what yeah. was your reaction to that? How do you respond when people well, so, do that? Well, so like, he, it wasn't the only comment. He also made a comment about his landscaper having the same name as me or something oh, or that I reminded him <laughs> oh, of his gardener or something like that. Something stereotypical oh, like that. Right. And I remember, you know, I was just like, I wasn't even like hurt or offended. I was just like, wow, this, he's actually saying this. <laughs> you know, this right. person's yeah. actually saying this for real yeah. and thinking it's appropriate to someone they mm-hmm. just met to just talk to them like that. Yeah. yeah. I found that people, I've heard they're like those kind of stereotypes and I find that people think that if they say like 
say they said, oh, yeah, you remind me of my landscaper and, and he's a very hardworking person. Like if it's mm -hmm. a positive statement, then it's like, OK, to stay. But it's like, no, you're still acknowledging that like you wouldn't say that about like a white person and be like, oh, yeah, right. like you remind me of my yeah. I don't know. You know, like it's just it's just like I don't you know wouldn't you wouldn't go to like a white friend of yours and you're like oh you remind me of my white nanny you know right. like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a very yes that's a perfect yeah that's a great yeah. example so. and it's just if you just didn't grow up like as an immigrant or as some type of different i think any type of minority you have experienced some type of like someone made you feel different or uncomfortable mm -hmm. like i don't care what minority you are i feel like and if you just haven't gone through that you just can't fathom well why is that a bad th i don't know because i've heard it and like and it's well-intentioned people but it's like, yeah, it's just like, sometimes like, wow, interesting. So yeah, mm -hmm. I, I I hear you with that. Yeah, You got to just shake it off. I don't know. I find when I was younger, I used to get really upset by those things. But now mm -hmm. I just kind of, if you don't laugh at it, you'll cry at it. And it's just, right. you got to just, I try to see things from people's perspective and give them the benefit of the doubt and just be like, okay, if we're going to say ignorant things. Yeah, and, and it's something that has helped me confronting those situations and and kind of navigating life. I just like... Living in Boston, you know, you're there's this enormous concentration of schools and people from all over the country come to study here. And you just realize people with accents are some of the smartest people in the world. Mm -hmm. They come here to study, to advance what they've already learned in their country and, and to give that to our country, to give it to our to this American culture. And that's the thing. It's like it's such a melting pot. The, I think the US really is. And it's made up of so much contribution from so many different minorities. And that's something, that's just a realization. There are scientists, artists, philosophers who have thick accents, who are so intelligent. And so I always think about that and I'm like, you cannot take that away <laughs> with an accent. You just can't. Yeah, no, it's so true. I, I, I read somewhere and I can't remember where I read this quote, but someone was saying that some of these like migrant children who are coming here they can already speak multiple languages mm -hmm. <laughs> and people get so excited when their kid who grew up in America yeah. like kind of learns a little bit of Spanish or something like yeah. that. And there there are migrant kids coming here who can already speak two or three languages yeah. and we should be celebrating that and viewing them as, wow, look at what a contribution they could be instead of looking at them as, mm -hmm. I don't know, other. We like to kind of also talk about your culture in general on the show. So I have a few questions about just Colombian culture in general. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I don't know enough about it. So can you tell us, first of all, what are your favorite Colombian foods? Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> I so there is bandeja paisa, which is like it can be brunch. It can be like lunch, but typically you don't eat for a while after it because it's so oh. carby. <laughs> it's, it, there is rice, beans, there's plantains, there's pork rind, sometimes there's arepa, and then sometimes there's like steak. Like they really throw, <laughs> throw like everything. everything there. But it's like such a, an amalgamation of different textures, foods, and, and it like, yeah, it's so Colombian. But I have always like gravitated towards the Colombian breakfast food. So obviously, you know, like your coffee, your, mm. so there are these like balls of like, cheese I, I don't even know how to describe them but it's like a dough with cheese called buñuelos mm -hmm. and and they're like fried and you bite into it and it's like this just like melty cheese it's <laughs> so good 
So like the buñuelos, the uh, almohabanas or pan de bonos, which are kind of like another cheese bread kind of thing. Arepas, of course, are really great. Though I will admit that the Venezuelan arepas are the superior ones. Oh, I will no. wholeheartedly admit that because they really, wow. they really turned it out with those. Um, but, but, but yeah, That's I really good. like the breakfast foods. Nice. Yeah, I saw some like BuzzFeed food related video and it was uh, it was about like Colombian foods and all of them involved cheese and I was like oh, yeah. that is my that is my kind of cuisine right there. <laughs> like, I love cheese so mm-hmm. much that like any anytime you have a cuisine that half the dishes have uh, cheese in them, I'm here for it. Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really good. We're going to try out some kind of quick questions about other cultural aspects so can you tell us do you have a favorite colombian saying mm. kind of a hard one i'm trying Let's these questions think. out <laughs> if you can say skip too if you don't yeah no, we're no, trying no, no. them this out this is great to think out. colombian expressions so i don't know if y'all know but there's like a different word in throughout different latin american countries oh, for yeah. like one thing so yeah. like for popcorn it might be like Oh my gosh, I can't even think about the other countries, but like there, there, there's like a different word for popcorn. Yeah. Hang on, I almost have to like Google this because like <laughs> I need you no, to. No, I've heard about this. Yeah, like literally every country in Latin America and in Spain has like a different name for popcorn. Really? Yeah. Like, yeah because I'm, I'm like actively trying to learn Spanish right now, and I watched this video where they like went through all the different names of popcorn. So here, here's this is according to Google. In Mexico, popcorn is palomitas. In Guatemala, it's Poporopo. In Cuba, it's rositas de maíz. <laughs> in Chile, it's, it's palomitas or cabritas. In Ecuador, it's canguil. But in Colombia, we're used to maispira. So it's wow. like, it really is like, I, I love those parts um, yeah. of like, just like there's one <laughs> word, there's like one thing has just like a different name throughout all these different countries. So yeah. I've always loved that. That's funny. Some that's of them don't even sound similar. No, <laughs> not at all. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I did not know that. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's a cool, very fun fact. cool. Yeah, something about popcorn in particular yeah. <laughs> has to be distinguished. Okay, can you tell us who is your favorite Colombian celebrity? Mm. It can be Colombian American too. Yeah, I think so. There's a few. Obviously, Shakira is like mm-hmm. she's, she's yeah. she does a lot for the culture. She brings a lot of the dance and and those aspects into it. Um, I really love Sofia Vergara too. Yes. So charming, so funny, so great. There was someone recently that I found out was from Ah, yes. Did you so did y'all watch the new West Side story? Yes. 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 We did. The actress that plays Maria. Rachel Ziegler. Rachel, yes. yes. She's she's Colombian American and her uh-huh. voice is just divine. She's a great actress and so definitely very proud of, <laughs> of that oh, representation. Yeah, I, I think those are that's my rapid fire question. So to wrap it up, I like to kind of ask maybe about one aspect of Colombian culture in this case that you don't like so much and mm. then what you love the most about Colombian culture. Yeah. So something that that I'm noticing is is being kind of addressed by, you know, people in Colombia too, like I'm I'm seeing it more and more is machismo. Um, which is basically kind of this hyper-masculine way of, of kind of being, of, of kind of training young, you know, boys or male-identifying people. 
how to act, how to look, how to how to walk, all that stuff. It, it's so that is one negative thing about the culture that you know that, that it's something that a lot of people have trauma that they're you know recovering from that they're dealing with as children growing up, whether it be from a family member or from an experience within the culture. So that's one negative thing, but it is it is really being addressed. Like I'm noticing more and more that Latin American countries, like especially people in like our generation, millennials, Gen Z, they're really kind of like tackling these kind of norms head on. So yeah, so just kind of like combating those norms. I'm noticing that a lot of the people in the younger generation are doing that. A positive thing, I will say, and this is something that I was actually reflecting on recently, was there's just the general sense of optimism from from Colombian people that I've noticed in, in my experience and optimism in, in the face of like hardship in the face of, of really awful, awful things. There's just this hope and optimism that I've carried through with me throughout my life and through challenging times that it's really, it's something that I've embraced and it's something that has really helped me a lot. And in terms of kind of navigating life and that kind of thing. That's a very Nice, optimistic, and positive note to end on. So we'd like to thank Juan again for joining us today. It was so interesting to hear about his experiences growing up in Florida as a Colombian-American. And uh, we hope you will join us in a future episode. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you again to Juan for joining us today. Who knew there were so many different Spanish words for popcorn? That's pretty crazy. It was really interesting to learn about that. Um, it was also just so great to hear about his experience growing up in Florida as a Colombian American. Um, that was really, really fascinating. and. I'm so glad we got to share that today. And thank you, listeners, for joining us as well. Stay tuned for future episodes. Have a great week, everyone. Bye.